Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. number two on this Wednesday, June 7th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll take your calls 602-260-1060 around 11.15 today. We also still have that Putting World gift card on the line uh, so we'll continue to tease that along here in hour number two but let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question uh who do you have in game three of the nba finals tonight the nuggets minus two and a half or the heat plus two and a half and the nuggets lead growing a bit here 60 percent of the vote the heat trailing at 40 percent i just saw one of these historical things on espn that uh, teams that Win game three in uh, the finals that are you know, tied 2 2 or 32 and 11 all time, but they're just 1 and 3 uh, since 2011 in that. Uh, also, I think that that is completely, I'm not a big fan of historical you know, stats and so forth. You know, I don't think that past performance really predicts you know, what might occur in the future. Uh, but the, the fact that they had the, for the NBA Finals for many, many years, they had this stupid 2-3-2 format, and that, that obviously doesn't play into what's going on right now. Uh, no, it doesn't. And so certainly you can't be going off of those historical uh, references when it's not uh, that same format. We will answer this question, though, around 1130 today, flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, who wins the AL West, the defending World Series champion Astros, or the currently in first place Rangers. And the Rangers here out in front, 63.2% of the vote. Astros now up to 36.8%. Yeah, the Rangers uh, obviously have been really good and consistently good all season long. The Astros did not have a good start with all the injuries. Gotten healthier, even though they have some injuries again now, by the way, with Altuve out uh, for several days in a row with a different injury than the one he was out when he was uh, he had the broken wrist in the World Baseball Classic. But uh, this is now the Rangers' biggest lead. They're up four games against the Astros, at least their biggest lead this season over the Astros, sitting at four games. And, you know, you know, you, you know basically even without Tuve missing some time here until last night, the Astros have been playing really well. Uh, we'll answer that question as well uh, around 11.30. Let's dive into the world of Major League Baseball here with the Diamondbacks beating the Nationals 10-5 to yesterday. Uh, started off shaky with Tommy Henry giving up a grand slam in the first inning. He ended up staying in the game and went four and a third, five hits, five runs, three walks, two strikeouts, and two home runs. Uh, for the bats, though, Gabriel Moreno had another good game. Two hits, two RBIs, one run, and one walk for the D-backs in this come-from-behind victory. Yeah, they were 5-for-15 with runners in scoring position. Uh, Moreno had a couple of those hits. 
they also stole four more bases. Uh, you know, Washington's, you know, among other, their pitching staff is not really good in pretty much any area, especially their bullpen, which is atrocious. Um, in some cases, considered the worst in the National League. And that's saying something because there's more than one bullpen in the National League that's not very good. Uh, but they're, you know, according to at least earned run average going into yesterday, if you still if anybody still, is, uh, still pays attention to that, they were dead last in the National League in earned run average for as far as a bullpen goes. And they did not, obviously, got worse yesterday. Uh, so, you know, that was a, a big deal. The Diamondbacks bullpen uh, yesterday was Ruiz, McGuff, Nelson, and Ginkle. Uh, they uh, were tremendous. After obviously Henry was awful uh, in that first inning and you know, somehow made it through five innings without a whole lot of further damage after that first inning. But the bullpen yesterday, four and two thirds shutout innings, gave up uh, you know three, you know three hits and no walks and in, uh, in that four and two thirds innings, and they really were the heroes of the game yesterday. Uh, then you have today, it's going to be Zach Davies, who's 0-1, 5.40 ERA, 14 strikeouts since he's come back. Patrick Corbin going for the Nationals, 4-5, 4 4.92 ERA, 42 strikeouts. Former Diamondback Patrick Corbin. That would be true. And uh, needless to say, yeah, he has not been, you know, they signed him to a contract after they won. The, and he was a big part. They won the World Series in 2019. It hasn't worked out as they anticipated, or I'm sure he anticipated. Uh, he has had some good moments here of late, so we'll see how that goes tonight. And uh, you know, Davies in his third start because coming off the uh, injured list, uh, and he's actually had tremendous success. As have well, the Nationals had a really good team until a couple years ago, uh, but you know, he's had a tremendous success against the Nationals in his career. Uh, six career starts. He's four and zero, the 297 earned run average, and he's allowed only 12 earned runs and 36 and a third innings in his uh, career against Washington, which is, uh, you know, the majority of that career, I will point out, was against uh, uh, guys that are, you know, no longer on their team that were far better than the guys that he's going to be facing tonight. Uh, yesterday, let's continue with the baseball theme here. You had the Rays beating the Twins 7 Uh The Rays keep finding ways to get it done. They do. I mean, they're going to uh, – they're a tremendous offensive team. They're really good on defense. They run the bases. Uh, last I heard over the weekend, I don't think this has changed, but they actually led baseball in home runs and stolen bases, which is an interesting combo. Yeah, you know, just uh, you know, short term, I think they're fine. Uh, I wonder if they're, you know, all the pitching injuries that they've had this year, starters and relievers, whether that's a uh, really kind of a formula for success in the postseason. Uh, then we also have the White Sox beating the Yankees 3-2 to two yesterday. And I guess the big news, though, for the Yankees is the injured list for Aaron Judge. Right, and I don't think they've officially placed Cortez on the injured list yet, but I assume they're going to do that today because they need to make some pitching moves uh, with their bullpen, you know, kind of overused the last, uh, you know, the road trip. And also uh, they had to go to their bullpen last night, I'm sure, earlier than Aaron Boone really wanted to. Uh, so there'll be some roster moves. But, yeah, Cortez had a quarter zone shot. He's not pitching anytime soon, so I can't imagine that he's not going to be on uh, – 
you know, the 15-day IL, uh, the judge thing. Uh, they were, you know, Aaron Boone yesterday, uh, I didn't see the press conference. I just heard about the press conference uh, when they announced that judge was going on the injured list. And he said that he used the term weeks originally, and then he corrected himself quickly and said days. So I'm not uh, and they didn't provide a you know, the Yankees at least uh, at last word. They're not playing till tonight, so I'm sure that's anything today. Uh, but they didn't provide a timetable as to how long Judge might be out. They were four and six uh, the first time this year that he was on the injured list, and uh, obviously they lost last night to the White Sox. Uh, so then you also have the Blue Jays and the Astros playing uh, five to one Blue Jays win. But let's first start with uh, the Alec Manoa demoted news. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the things I brought up yesterday. I, I assumed he was going to get sent back to AAA, uh, and you say demoted. He actually is uh, was sent back to the rookie level Florida Complex League, which I didn't even know existed, quite frankly. <laughs> I knew there's something similar. I, I should have known better because I know there's something here uh, for Arizona. Uh, so that happened. And he was this is a guy, you know, we talked about how many walks he's had this year, et cetera. He was, you know, third in the Cy Young Award voting last year. And he's still only 25 years old. Been lots of talk about him. He certainly has had some issues with the pitch clock. Uh, there's also, as I've mentioned a few times, whenever the pitch clock thing has come up with Manoa, that he's not exactly and uh, he's not going to run a you know long distance race at any time. He should, I think, be in better physical condition if you're a professional athlete. And I think the fact that the pitch clock thing sped up pitchers. There's a few guys it's definitely hurt for a variety of reasons, whether it be age or in his case, I think you make you can make the case. That certainly one of the problems, if not the biggest problem, no pun intended, for Manoa is the fact that he's he had you know there's less time for him to throw between pitches. Uh, so then today for the Blue Jays and the Astros in this series, it's going to be Chris Bassett, six and four, three point four one ERA, sixty five strikeouts. Ronel Blanco, one and 4.15 ERA, twenty one strikeouts. And Blanco just came up last week. One of their uh, you know, not a heralded prospect, but he came up and they've gone to a six-man rotation. Uh, they've got some uh, younger guys that are concerned are already throwing a whole lot of pitches, including Hunter Brown, uh, who they apparently have an innings limit for him this season. And I'm sure I keep thinking he's going to have a pitch count limit, but he threw 100 and some pitches last week and he threw 96 yesterday. And he wasn't particularly you know, effective in either of those performances. Uh, he was really good uh, to start the season before the last two starts, however. The Reds, they beat the Dodgers 9-8, to eight, scoring three runs in the bottom of the ninth. For the Dodgers, though, it was a Tony Gonsolin start. Five innings, five hits, four runs, three walks, and five strikeouts. Uh, he did leave with the lead. That's true. Uh, he led with an 8-3 to three lead. And they actually gave up the three runs in the first inning. He was really good after the first inning. The big thing yesterday is obviously L.A. De La Cruz, who's considered uh, by most to be the best remaining prospect in baseball, uh, not in the major leagues until yesterday. Uh, he was called up and made his uh, debut. He's the be he considered to be the best prospect that uh, is going to contribute in uh, 2023 that was still in the minor leagues until yesterday. But he came up and... 
Uh, you know, he's a huge dude. I've seen him play a little bit in spring training, and you know, you, know, you see some videos, and he's unbelievable tools. He's I don't know exactly how tall he is, but he's six five, six six minimum, uh, and uh, he has unbelievable speed. He has un- unbelievable skills. It's been kind of a question: What position does he play? Well, he played third base yesterday and had a couple shaky chances there, but he also, in his plate appearances, walked twice, which I think is a good thing, especially because he's had some high strikeout rates in the minor leagues. He also hit a rocket uh, to right center field, which was a double, and then he had like the best sprint speed in the history of time uh, between home plate to uh, second base. Uh, So he's got all those things going for him, and... uh, yeah, you know, the fact that the Reds called him up and he did play third base yesterday, so we'll, I assume that's going to be his position for now at the major league level. The Dodgers, though, uh, concerns because uh, not winning games, and now Noah Syndergaard gets the start, who's one in four, six point five four ERA, thirty five strikeouts. Uh, yeah, well, as long you know, the, the Dodgers have, they got starting pitching questions. You know, one of the things we talked about yesterday. Uh, during the sports zone is do they actually need to go out and get some starting pitchers and we'll see how this goes um you know, miller bobby miller has been tremendous but a couple of the other minor league touted guys haven't been good the back of their bullpen other than phillips uh has been really inconsistent they use phillips dave roberts did and i actually didn't under i didn't object to it at the time because it was against the you know the heart of the uh you know the reds order he used phillips in the eighth inning yesterday and it fell apart in the ninth inning because they didn't have their usual eighth, ninth inning guys. Daniel Hudson, former Diamondback, uh, you know, former, you know, he was he threw the last pitch in the World Series in 2019 and closed that game for the Nationals. He's had all kinds of injuries when he was here. He's had two Tommy John surgeries. He's coming back from another injury. He is yet to pitch this season, but he did pitch here in the Arizona, you know, complex league or whatever they call it here officially yesterday. And uh, there is speculation that he might be back in the Dodger bullpen within the next couple of weeks. And if that's true and he's effective, I think that that uh, significantly improves the the, uh, Dodgers bullpen situation. Uh, then you also have uh, the Mets and the Braves. The Braves won six to four today. It's going to be Max Scherzer five and two, three point two one ERA, forty eight strikeouts. Charlie Morton five and six, three point six two ERA, seventy two strikeouts. Yeah, yesterday, uh, yeah, the the I, I wish I had that. I actually had these numbers and somehow deleted them from my computer. But the Braves, the, the Braves, excuse me, the Braves have they just dominated the Mets in atlanta uh the last couple of years and they won again last night in atlanta in this series and uh you know the, basically they overcame kind of a not a good start to the game from elder but much like uh you know the diamondbacks last night with uh with uh you know obviously uh you know the uh the dude from michigan i've just got kind of slipping my mind right now uh, but uh, Elder came, overcame a bad inning and hung in there, and then they uh, the Braves rallied and uh, the Mets bullpen another bullpen that other than David Robertson uh, they've had some inconsistency there this year and they didn't get to the point where he was able to close the game. 
Uh, then you also have here the Rangers and the Cardinals. The Rangers six, Cardinals four. But uh, the big news for the Rangers is obviously Jacob DeGrom needing Tommy John surgery, and he's going to be done for the season. Yeah, I, as we mentioned earlier, I think that the the big the hope for the Rangers, even when they sign DeGrom, is, at least for the short term or maybe even long term is to try to not necessarily nurse him through the season, but just try to get him through the season and have him healthy for the postseason. And he's already had one Tommy John surgery before he was in the major leagues. Uh, I think I, he might even have it when he was in college. Uh, so it's been uh, it's been a long time since he actually had Tommy John surgery. And yeah, you know, they this was yeah, you know, they placed him on the 60 day injured list on Monday. And it seemed to be more of a clerical thing, quite frankly, at that time, uh, because you you get if you put a guy in a 60-day injured list, you get a roster addition to your 40-man roster, uh, so it gives you a break on that. So it was kind of thought that that was the, what the deal was, because as recently as like a week ago, it was assumed he might be pitching by the end of this month, and then they announced that yesterday, and then he had a press conference yesterday, and he was extremely emotional at this press conference and if you're a, a baseball fan and haven't seen this yet you might want to check it out it was uh more emotional than most press conferences but you know, he knows that you know, at this stage of his career he's going through a second tommy john and i think that uh it sure seemed like that he really didn't know the extent of all this until they had further testing on monday slash tuesday and then they had the breath the press conference to announce such a thing uh, and then you had the Mariners beating the Padres four to one. Uh, this is my question from a perspective of like a manager side of things. The expectations that you had for this Padres team, you know that the talent that you have, at least for the bats, and the bats just aren't hitting. How frustrating is that rolling out each and every night, and it's just not coming to fruition? Yeah, and their their pitching has actually been really good. Um, and not necessarily last night, but their pitching has been really good for the most part. They they were really good statistically in the in pretty much the entire month of a uh, month of May. So it really hasn't been uh, the pitching side of things. The offense has been atrocious. It's uh, you know, surprising, maybe even shocking, depending on how often people use that word. I think it's used too frequently, but I think it needs to be it at least needs to be you know, discussed whether it's shocking, uh, how many times they've scored two runs or less this season, their runners in scoring position thing. I know that they entered this week, and I don't think it's changed the last couple of days with the worst running, uh, runners in scoring position average in Major League Baseball. And to me, this is an offensive issue, needless to say, more than anything else. Their defense, to me at least, has been surprisingly good, which I question. Ryan Flaherty is their hitting coach. I looked this up over the weekend. And I just kind of wonder how long can Bob Melvin and the organization stay with him as their hitting coach? Because there's got to be something that can be done. You know, maybe the players just, you know, maybe he's giving proper instruction and they're just not paying attention to what he's saying, which is entirely possible. But, you know, there seems to be some kind of disconnect between, you know, there's been plenty of at bats with the Padres this year. I've just wondered what are they doing here? You know, swing it early in the count when you're multiple runs behind, or you know, one round, one run behind, and you need a base runner in late innings and so forth, and they're just up there hacking, and they shouldn't be doing that. 
you know, sometimes that's, it, it might not be anything that the, the hitting coach is saying that's wrong or technically wrong. It's just maybe how the message is being conveyed, just something different that has to be changed. It's not the fault of the hitting coach. Just have or, to make a change. Right, or the players just aren't paying attention to what he's saying for whatever reason. Whether that's the player's fault or or whatever, I would tend to lean on the players. In fact, I'd be more than lean on the players. I think that uh, a lot of times when coaches get fired, whether they're head coaches or hitting instructors in this case, that the player is far more to blame than the coaching staff. George Kirby, 5-4, 3.04 ERA, 58 strikeouts. Michael Waka, 5-2, uh, 3.48 ERA, 57 strikeouts for the Padres in today's contest. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join. We'll take your calls now and talk to you on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point on this Wednesday, June 7th here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. here on KDOS AM 1060. Follow along with us online, KDOS1060.com. And if you downloaded the new KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports yet, and take it along with you with Apple and Android users. Uh, Let's get into a little bit around the NFL. The Cardinals, they are on the practice field today. There will be some media sessions later today as well. Uh, And it's the final week of the voluntary portion of OTAs. A few things that caught my attention from Jonathan Gannon earlier in the week. Uh, He was asked about how things have been going, and he said, awesome, pleased with the guys' attention to detail and their effort, improving every day guys doing a great job of self-correcting really like where we are right now uh obviously i don't know what else he could say here but (laughs) but bringing up all on his own that they're self-correcting mistakes that they watch film and then make the adjustment uh the very next practice on the field i think that lends itself to at least some positivity and some some coachability there I guess. I mean, yeah, I think uh, when you said, what's he supposed to say? I think he's going to say, yeah, we suck. Why did I take this job? Uh, I think we're going to hear that. So, uh, I don't know, maybe it's part of my old age thing. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to not pay attention to what everything every human being says in sports, at least the three major sports and the local sports. Uh, but, you know, I've, I play less attention and less and less attention every year, even before my stroke last year, of the NFL offseason. Uh, if somebody gets hurt, then I'll pay attention. If there's a meaningful trade, then I'll pay attention. But I really don't care what happens in the offseason of any team for the most part until training camp starts. 
Well, I'm going to try to make you care for at least a few more things that caught my attention for what Jonathan Gannon said here. And this has been a topic for the last couple of weeks because they've seen Zavin Collins lining up on the outside with the linebackers here. So the question to Gannon was, what about Zavin makes you want to see him practice on the outside of that linebacking position? And uh, Gannon says just his skill set of kind of how he moves, what he can bring to the table from a coverage and rush standpoint in the the run game we're still defining that role as we speak but Zavin is doing a good job of what we're asking him to do right now um I, you you had brought up when we first talked about it well who's going to play inside linebacker then right that would be that would be my follow-up question if I were actually at the press conference um, so that's the first question. But I guess the second question, does it hurt when you're in the evaluation process this early on in camp to say to yourself, if this is going to be a guy that we're going to invest in long term, we as the new coaching staff, do we think he plays better inside or outside? And then let's go to work on developing him in that particular role. I think it's actually a thing where the offseason helps, especially the new coaches. Uh, you know, they get an extra week of an OTA as opposed to uh, you know, teams that have the same coaching staff or the same head coach back. Uh, so I, get the, I think you'd be doing the wrong thing if you weren't trying to experiment about players who apparently you're not really sure where they fit. Uh, then you also had, because they're still you know, figuring out what to do and still defining his role, the follow-up question is, what is your timeline for when players will get their defined roles? And his answer here, definitely by week one, before we start practicing for week one, that's not to say people's roles can't expand or decrease. So he's giving himself a lot of latitude here to really see how things develop in training camp. Yeah, I think that's kind of your stock answer, and no matter who the coach is. But uh, I think it's actually the right approach. Uh, if, I assume that is the approach and just not uh, some verbiage from a head coach and his first head coaching job. Uh, the other thing that caught my attention here is that uh, they're really doing a lot of mixing and matching on the offensive line to see uh, what certain players are comfortable playing what positions and who they're most comfortable playing alongside with different teammates. I think you also have to do that when the question marks are so high for the offensive line. I think that, quite frankly, though, this is the most worthless thing in the offseason because, you know, unless you're cheating – uh, you're not exposed, supposed to have any physical contact, and I don't know how you can tell anything about an offensive line until you get in pads once training camp starts. Former Arizona Cardinal, it's being reported by Tom Pelissero that uh, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is expected to visit the Titans this weekend. Yeah, well, I actually talked yesterday, you know, over the weekend, Hopkins said, uh, you know, was that yesterday or Monday I talked about this? One of those two days earlier this week um, that, you know, there, the people and there's plenty of people in the NFL that believe he's going to wait as you know, really a long He's going to wait out the NFL as opposed to the other way around and that he might even go into training camp and not be with a team yet. If you're DeAndre Hopkins at this point in your career, you should you you would be fine with that because now you don't have to be a part of all of those camp practices etc show up give me he the doesn't playbook practice anyway yeah, so. good point <laughs> houston or arizona i mean he must lead the world and miss training camp and you know and even in season practice time he's missed that a lot and 
that was, at least if you believe the reports, if not the biggest issue that Bill O'Brien had in Houston with Hopkins, it was certainly uh, a, a, you know, an issue that was you know, more than occasionally discussed publicly and I'm guessing privately. CBSSports.com uh, came up with three cases or cases for these three teams to win the division for the NFC West. Uh, you have the Seahawks, the Rams, and the 49ers is getting some love in this particular article. When you look at the odds to win the division, the 49ers, though, odds on favorites at minus 165, the Seahawks at plus 220, the Rams at plus 850. Honestly, a little surprised the Rams aren't longer odds than that, and the Cardinals at 24 to 1. The case for the 49ers to win the division here, uh, despite injuries to Brock Purdy and the quarterback questions uh, that they have, you still have offensively Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, and Kyle Shanahan at the helm of that offense. On defense, you did lose your coordinator, but nearly all the starters return, plus you added Javon Hargrove. Uh, when it comes to that defense in 2022, the 49ers allowed 16.3 points per game, 300.6 total yards per game to offenses, and had 30 takeaways. That ranked first first in a tie for second in defensive metrics. Yeah, I'll go a shorter version here. They have by far the most talented roster in the division from top to bottom. By far. Yeah, definitely. Uh, For the Seahawks, Geno Smith led the NFL in completion percentage at 69.8%. He amassed 4,282 passing yards, which was eighth, uh, 30 passing touchdowns, which was fourth, and there obviously was a commitment from the Seahawks with a contract extension for Geno. Uh, You had impacts last year from the 2022 rookie class with offensive tackle Charles Cross, running back Kenneth Walker, cornerbacks Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. My question here is, will they have any sophomore slumps? We kind of sometimes see this from time to time from certain uh, certain players in the NFL. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no doubt. I mean, I don't think there's any question that they're the second best team in the division. And, I, you know, they made the playoffs last year, and it sure seems like they've made offseason improvements with – uh, off-season improvements, excuse me, I did it like a hiccup in the middle there, uh, From a, with a combination of veterans that they signed before the draft. And I can't imagine there's anybody that didn't think they uh, – I think everybody thought they had one of the best drafts in the, in the, in the league. So they've got to – personnel-wise, they've improved for sure. Absolutely. Devon Witherspoon, Jackson Smith-Najigba, Zach Charbonnet, just a few of that 2023 uh, draft class that you would expect to make impacts right away. Uh, For the Rams here, I guess the only case you could really make for them to have a division division title is that there's significant injuries to the other two teams and that Stafford and Cooper Cup somehow find a way to connect up like they did in 2021. I personally think the Rams suck. Uh, yeah, they've lost way too much and haven't added enough. And, you know, they had, you know, for the first time forever, had you know, a ton of draft picks, double-digit draft picks this past year. I can't imagine any scenario where they've got a chance to make the playoffs. 
When it comes to the NFC West race, going back to 2015, the Rams have won the division three times. The 49ers and the Seahawks have won it each twice, and the Cardinals have won it once. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you here that it's the 49ers, and if they can figure out what's going on quarterback-wise, uh, and if the Seahawks continue to trend upward, I think you need to not have any regression from Geno, no regression from the players you counted on as rookies last year uh, to to really ascend forward yeah i would be shocked if there were you know if there were any more than you know, obviously the cardinals aren't going to make the playoffs but i would be almost equally as shocked and i don't use that word often i've used it like four times in a half hour here i only use it when i meet it uh, but I would be here with you one more time shocked if the Rams made the postseason. Uh, when it comes to win totals, Cardinals sit currently sitting at four and a half, Rams six and a half, 49ers ten and a half, and Seahawks eight and a half win totals from Vegas. I've teased it. Those are all pretty accurate, by the way. I've teased it along long enough. Putting World, located in Scottsdale, 16259 North Scottsdale Road. They're open Sunday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, 10 a.m. to midnight. There's Saturday night putting contests, great food and drinks over at Bar 19. A $50 gift certificate to go check it all out is on the line right now for you. If you're caller to 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060. So you can join the putting contest. You can bring your friends for bragging rights or if you're interested in really kind of seeing the data behind what makes a good putting stroke and how to change your putter to fit your stroke so that you can make some more putts, you can check all of that out with the Performance Studios technology and coaches available at Putting World. 602-260-1060. Caller number two is the winner and visit them online at puttingworld.com. It's poll question time on the other side of the break right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Congratulations to our winner of the Putting World $50 gift certificate. Once again, Putting World located in Scottsdale, 16259 North Scottsdale Road. Uh, that's actually where I'm going later today is to go see our friends at Putting World. So uh, some fun things on the horizon with them. Uh, check them out online at puttingworld.com. It is poll question time, though, here on Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. So without further ado, let's turn it on over to the kdos1060.com poll question with game three of the nba finals tonight who do you have in game three uh the nuggets minus two and a half or the heat plus two and a half within the last two hours this number in many places worldwide has changed and it's gone up to three in many at least nevada locations which i have right in front of me on the screen that i have from nevada and there's even a three and a half at uh, a couple of places like the Wynn Properties and Caesars. That's a William Hill thing. Uh, so there's tons of threes, three and a halfs around the world right now, which I was a little surprised because I mentioned earlier 
uh, that you know, I thought that the, the the people that want the heat were obviously waiting to see if they could get three. I'm guessing some of them probably pounced on a three, and now they can get three and a half if you have enough, uh, you know, sports book outlets for their uh, you know wagering pleasure. Uh, so there's that, and then I was wondering if the odds makers were just reluctant to move it up to three because they figured they were getting hammered from the heat side of things. So, like I said, I'm I'm really surprised, not shocked. I've used that word too many times, but I'm not shocked. But I'm I am surprised that this number has gone up in the last two hours. Uh, so for me here, the Heat played with the expected energy and effort that we've kind of come to see from them in these playoffs in Game 2. Uh, I was expecting a little bit of, uh, I guess the best word I can come up with is sluggishness, but uh, a little bit of just mental exhaustion and physical exhaustion from the series against the Celtics in Game 1 with the Nuggets having so much time off. Kind of expected that in Game 1, more expected that energy and effort in Game 2. But when you look at it, the Nuggets didn't play great, and the Heat kind of maxed out with shooting 49% from behind the arc, uh, certainly taking advantage of knocking down those threes, and they only won the game by three points. So we still haven't seen maybe uh, a takeover from Jimmy Butler, still questions about, you know, kind of he's making impacts elsewhere on the floor, assists defensively, etc. Points-wise, though, we're not seeing the Jimmy Butler explosion, otherworldliness, and maybe we don't have to if everyone else on the Heat is continuing to knock down uh, their threes. They're clearly kind of playing that uh, percentage math game that if we continue to shoot threes at high volume, uh, that's going to be the way that we stay in this game with the Nuggets. With all that said and done, there's just something about this Heat team that, like, I don't think we can quantify it. I don't think you can put it into a data chart. They just scrap their way around here. They're at home. A game three. Uh, I'm going to say Heat plus two and a half. Okay. I mean, I don't think I gave an answer with no. my fascination of the point spread changing. <clears throat> On the Butler front, uh, I talked with Clay Ferraro during the sports zone today uh, from TV 10 in Miami, and he thinks that the, the Butler injury that he suffered in the uh, second series of the playoffs, that first game against the Knicks, he still, think that's, he still thinks that ankle injury – has really slowed him down, especially offensively. Uh, so that all makes some sense. You know, I kind of wondered whether he might just be out of gas, but there's that. Uh, before this number, now I mean, I'm, you know, I think uh, if you do, if you try follow point spreads uh, on a you know for a living or you know just on a daily basis for interest, you were probably wondering. Well, especially when the uh, looked like the Heat were going to kind of run away and win by you know, maybe even double digits in that first game in the fourth quarter. What's the number going to be for the next game? And I was thinking, you know, if the Nuggets are just laying like one or maybe two, I'd think about it. Uh, but, you know, I never had that opportunity. Well, I guess I did briefly. Well, I personally didn't because I didn't have an outlet for the two. First number I saw was two, but that went to two and a half before you could, like, snap your fingers. Uh, so never had that chance. I have no interest in uh, the heat at, uh, you know, plus two and three, three and a half at this point. If I was doing anything in this game, which I am you know, going to clearly point out I'm not, I would be laying the points with the Nuggets, but there's no chance that I'd be laying three and a half. But, uh, you know, that's it's just kind of where I'm at right now. I'm confused. Hopefully in the learning process we can uh, figure out how to uh, make a, a buck or two in future games in this series. 
Uh, the masses are on the Nuggets side of things at 64% of the vote. The Heat sitting at 36%. That's KDOS1060.com's poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, who wins the ALS, the defending World Series champion Astros, or the currently in first place Rangers. Uh, I believe it's a four and a half game lead for the Rangers right now in the division, which that's not insurmountable to overcome. I, I think overall this comes down to health and and losing Jacob DeGrom for the season is certainly a big blow to the Rangers. Uh, they've been winning games, though, without him. He's been sidelined for a little while. There's been the conversation about how they were performing without some of the bats of, like, a Corey Seager, etc. Uh, the Astros, though, they just they don't have some of the same players we've known for a while, but they do seem to just have this ability to kind of flip a switch. So until, I guess, they are dethroned, I'm going to go Astros. Yeah, me too. Uh, I also don't expect these current rosters to look like this uh, when we get to the trade deadline. Uh, The Astros, I think, are going to have to add some starting pitching because of their injury situation. You know, know, McCullers still isn't pitching. Uh, He was injured during the playoffs last year. They thought he'd be back by now. There seems to be no timetable for his return. And I think the Rangers' only weakness, I mean, they're obviously really good on offense amongst the the major league leaders in runs scored. Uh, They're very good on defense. I think that a lot of people don't pay attention to that, but they are tremendous defensively. Uh, uh, I don't even know where they rank metrically. I could care less where they rank metrically. The eye test, they're really good on defense. Uh, But they need to add some bullpen help and maybe more than one guy in the bullpen. Will Smith's really good and good uh, closing games, but getting to Will Smith has been an adventure, and that has clearly been their weakness so far this season. Uh, so, you know, right now, I think that, you know, the pedigree with the Astros, I also wonder if the Rangers' other starting pitchers other than DeGrom, you know, Nathan, you know, Avaldi's had, he's had two Tommy John surgeries in his career. And he's been tremendous so far this season. They signed DeGrom and, and Heaney and, and Evaldi uh, during last offseason. Those are all guys that have an injury history. Are they going to, you know, obviously DeGrom's already out for the season, but are they going to, the other guys, are they going to make it through the season? So I think there's major questions there. Uh, you know, the Astros, they, they, they're the really good defensive team. I don't think there's any coincidence that their defense for both these teams, uh, you know, big reasons why they're so good. But uh, I just trust the Astros a little more right now. If it gets to a postseason situation, I might change my mind if the pitching of, of is healthy for the uh, Rangers. And also, if they actually played each other, I know Dusty Baker won the World Series last year. But, you know, Bruce Bochy or Dusty Baker in the playoffs, I've already seen that when uh, Bochy blatantly outmanaged uh, you know, Baker when the Reds should have been, the, been in the World Series in 2012 or whatever year that was. And uh, that, was a, that was a managerial mismatch. The masses are on the Rangers side of things at 63.2%. Astros at 36.8% on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060 as part of the question. We wrap up this Wednesday, June 7th edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. 
Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. If you haven't already done so, download the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports for Apple and Android users. Take advantage of listening to us wherever you are on your phone. You can also podcast if you've missed any of the show, as well as interviews that we do. They're all housed there as well. One final segment to go here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We get to it on the other side of the break. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. segment on this Wednesday, June 7th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob, it's thank you time. Okay, we thank you all for listening. You know how that spiel goes. Let me go short version here. Also, our guest today, we thank uh, Clay Ferraro of TV 10 in Miami. Excellent uh, info about the Heat heading into the night's game against the Nuggets. Sound of the day, courtesy of ABC, Bally Sports Southwest, KBME, Bally Sports Arizona, the Phoenix Suns, WFAM, and CBS. Also, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next, from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports U with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6 tonight. Also tonight, uh, it is the Nuggets at the Heat, 5.30 p.m. on ABC, the Diamondbacks at the Nationals, 4.05 p.m. on Valley Sports Arizona, Zach Davies versus Patrick Corbin, the Phoenix Mercury playing the Dallas Wings tonight, 5 p.m. on AZ Family Sports Network 44. Also, if you're interested in Madden, Bob, Josh Allen is going to be on the cover of Madden NFL 24. That might be a pipeline question tomorrow in some shape or form. Well, we'll have to find out in Thursday's edition of the Sports Zone and Extra Point. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. Talk to you then.